could shine between the lines if you would let yourself go find some place you know you can use your words use your hands you can change the world just pretend express yourself take a chance and you'll see who you'll be it's time to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Whether it's having a new pair of shoes, a hot cup of coffee, a warm blanket, or a hug from a friend... We all have little things in our life to be thankful for. Never forget to let that gratitude show. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice. Right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Hannah Hunzel, and today the theme for our show is the gift of appreciation. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. Each week, we bring you a stimulating, mind-bending, bending, motivating program based on a chapter from our award-winning book, Be The Star You Are for Teens. Simple gifts for loving, living, laughing, learning, and leading. With regard to this week's theme, the gift of appreciation, we here at Express Yourself have a lot to appreciate. We have had amazing guests on the show. We have a great crew, and we are a top-rated program. This show, we, on this show, we are going to examine how you can recognize all the gifts that life affords you every day. Now, this is a topic that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time, Asia, because I think that oftentimes we journey through our life just to live it out. Do you know what I mean? We, we just kind of go with the motions, yeah. go with the flow, and we don't take that time to really sit back and appreciate everything that we've been given, every door that has been open for us, and even all the bad things that have happened in our life. Because I think ultimately you come to a fork in the road where you begin to understand that both the good and the bad were working together your whole Mm -hmm. life, undergirding your life, guiding you along the right path. And that's why I believe that we really have to be grateful for everything. Because you don't know what impetus it was that propelled you to, to the position that you are in right now. Maybe exactly. it was that tough breakup, you know, in seventh grade that taught mm-hmm. you the importance of standing strong within yourself. Or yeah. Maybe it was losing a really important friend and that taught you the importance of, you know, being willing to kind of get out of your comfort zone and find new friends. Every good and bad thing has a purpose in our life. And so we need to appreciate it all. And I'm sort of in this reflective mode lately because the college admissions process has been going on and the college admissions season is in full swing now. It's kind of dying down mm-hmm. because the acceptances are being given out and I got accepted to my dream college. <laughs> Congratulations. On that. that's, so, that's so amazing. I, I was like, oh my gosh, when I heard that news, I was so happy for you. Oh my God! Thank you. You're <laughs> welcome. I know. I need all the love and support from everyone, kind of coming out of the woodwork and mm-hmm. telling me how they knew about it all along. And you know, here I am oh, yeah. doubting, no doubt about that it. This was going wrong, and that would go wrong. And then I finally come to the point of realization that it was all working together, the good and the bad, to mm-hmm. bring me to where I am today. Every challenge, every struggle, 
and then every moment of triumph. I needed yeah. it all to shape me into who I am today to bring me to this point. That's how it is. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this uh, particular area in all of our lives, actually, when you were talking about how we have this repetitive uh, uh, stage in our lives and we don't, you know, think about everything that we need to be appreciative for because we're just looking straight ahead, wanting to get through whatever we're going through right now. And we're just going with the flow, going through the motions, not really looking around us and taking everything in in, in detail. And I was thinking, you know, that's kind of like, senior year really you know in high school you're like okay I just want to be done with this you know just go through the flow you know we're almost done you know just go with whatever happens you know you'll be done soon just wake up every day you know go to school come home do your homework all of that and you know especially when you're busy because you know with my business uh, um with this with my school and you know I have a little bit of a side job just to make a little bit extra money to save up for college and going through all of that through the entire week is kind of just like a repetitive schedule to where I'm just like a zombie through all of it to where I'm just getting everything done. And then on my very little spare time, that's when I'll think about uh, the details in life. But, you know, it's hard to do that while you're while you're going through all of the things that you're doing throughout your day. You know, you're thinking about everything that you're doing at that moment to where you're not able to appreciate everything, you know, hey, I got a car that was able to drive me to my job or to my school or, hey, I have the knowledge to be able to go to school or I have the personality to be able to talk with people during what I'm doing. So it's it's hard sometimes to think that way. Right, right. And, you know, I've really been putting everything into perspective lately. And it's funny you bring up the topic of senior year, making mm-hmm. us less aware of everything around us, because the other day I was making up an English test after school and I needed a ride, and my ride was late to come pick me up. And so I was sitting on the bench outside of the school, and I was just staring there for maybe 10 to 15 minutes as I waited for that car to pull up. Mm-hmm. And it, something in that moment really hit me. And I turned around, and I looked at my school, and I thought, wow, I'm really going to miss this place. And I think yeah. I will. You know, I, as I go to Boston, enter into a new culture, a new atmosphere, meet new mm-hmm. people from all around the world. Completely new area. Right. I will always take a piece of Turlock with me. And yeah. Turlock is the town that I grew up in. It's in the heart of the Central Valley of California. And mm-hmm. yep. I, I will, Turlock has taught me so many lessons because we're a really, really tight-knit community. And, you know, it's kind of everybody knows everybody. Everybody's happy for everyone. Word spreads like wildfire about anything. So you've got to be on your best <laughs> behavior. It's the joy of it is living in a small town. I know how that feels. <laughs> oh, yes. And I will always take those lessons with me. And I think that's what's going to allow me to remain grounded, to remain rooted no matter where I go. It's because my foundation has been strongly established. And so if I could literally thank every Turlocker, I would. Because I think everyone that I've come across and grown up with has really given me a lesson that is near and dear to me and that I'll keep in my heart. Yeah, you know, I know how you feel, you know, with moving away um, and going to a new area. You know, I've moved so many times that I can't even count. And each time I moved, I've met new people. And, you know, I used to be so angry that I had to leave my friends again, you know, for the umpteenth time. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to make more friends and I'm gonna have to leave these friends and meet new people and be the new girl again but now that I realize because I'm not going to move again anytime soon I plan on going to college where I am right now um and you know I was thinking about it uh lately and I was just thinking you know how awesome it is that I know so many people now from different states and cities and schools and I think you know how 
you know, how would it be if I just knew a couple people from the same area all my life? I wouldn't know and I wouldn't have all these different friends from different areas if I hadn't had moved so much. Right. So that was that was something that I started thinking about. Right. And everyone you will ever meet knows something you don't. Everyone mm-hmm. you will ever meet has something to teach you. And everyone you will ever meet has a universe that you haven't seen. And exactly. the more people that you meet and interact with, the more universes are colliding and being shared and and it just grows from there. And so I'm really, really thrilled to be moving all across the country <laughs> to a brand new city. I've been to Boston mm-hmm. one time and it was the summer before my junior year of high school. So it was in June 2013. And I'm going to go back and visit because, you know, these these places change every month, basically. Yeah. And new stuff is opening up, things are being taken down. So I really want to get a feel for the culture pretty soon. I'm hoping to actually go there in April, um, but we'll see how that goes. And I, I just can't wait. I I love that moment when you feel like everything you've ever worked for is falling into place. All the pieces are coming together. Yeah. The jigsaw puzzle is finished. Um, but then I, I feel like that. And then I start thinking that it's really not finished, that this might just be the beginning of a new path, a new journey for me. So in one sense, things are finishing and closing and all the loose ends are being tied up. But in another sense, everything is opening up again and the world is being spread out before me. I think that happens right when you're, you know, you're graduating, you're going into college, you're like, finally, everything is going the way I want. Everything's falling into place. You know, I finally know who I am. And then you get into college, you know, you maybe move into your own apartment, you have your own place, you're experiencing life on your own without the support of your parents or anything like that. And then you're thinking, oh, wait, you know, everything is just starting again for the first time, for the second time, actually, because you're experiencing an entirely new chapter of your life. And you're thinking, here I go again on another path. And, you know, now I get to start all over and experience new things. So it's just crazy. Um, well, thank you so much for this conversation, Hannah. It's so clear that dreams do come true if we just believe and remain restlessly grateful about all the wonderful opportunities we're given in our lives. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Hannah Hundle. On April 25th, there will be a book blowout bash at 5A Rent-A-Space in Moraga. You'll receive a complimentary book, The Adventures of Blue Ocean Bob, with any $19.99 purchase. Compliments of our sponsor, Brooks Albrees and Children's Success Unlimited. Mark your calendars and visit events at btsya.org. It'll be a ton of fun. And stick around for our next segment as we continue our conversation on appreciation. is a show for the reader and those that should probably be reading a little more. We'll tackle the classics, the bestsellers, and the brand new works that you won't be able to put down. Your host will be combing the pages of them all and letting you know what needs to be in your personal library and what might be better reading for the bathroom. Tune into Bookworm, airing Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book. What do you want to do? Are you interested in the performing arts? 
If so, make sure you tune in to the Angel and Harmony Show. Angel and Harmony have experience singing, acting, and performing in general and want to help you live out your dreams of the future. Whether you are interested in acting, modeling, dancing, or singing, this is the show for you. We'll even give you the scoop on being behind the scenes if you're a little shy. The Angel and Harmony Show is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Keep it right here. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. You are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by Be The Star You Are charity. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today our show is all about the gift of appreciation. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. One thing we here at Express Yourself truly appreciate are the amazing guests we get to welcome to the show. Today we have the honor of introducing to you an incredibly inspiring individual, Pulitzer Prize winner Mr. John McQuaid. John has written about topics such as city-destroying super termites, the slow collapse of fishing communities, hurricane levy engineering, mountaintop-removing coal mining, and the global flower business for publications including Smithsonian Magazine, The Washington Post, Wired, Forbes.com, Eating Well Magazine, and the New York Orleans Times-Picayune. John is the co-author of Path of Destruction, the devastation of New Orleans and the coming age of superstorms. His work has won a Pulitzer Prize, as well as awards from the American Association for the Advancement of Science and the International Association of Culinary Professionals. He lives in Maryland with his wife, son, and daughter. The struggle to satisfy and understand the kids' strange and contradictory food choices, the elder liked super hot peppers and limes, and the younger liked rice, pasta, and cheese, was the inspiration for his book, Tasty, the Art and Science of What We Eat. Tasty is a, brief, is a brief biography of flavor, tracing an arc from its first appearance at, the, appearance at the dawn of life on Earth, to the invention of cooking by early humans, to the strange concoctions of the modern food system. Reporting from kitchens, supermarkets, farms, restaurants, huge food corporations, and science labs, John McQuaid shows how flavor is woven into our genes, our cravings, our personalities, and behavior. Tasty offers a smorgasbord of insights into our modern food obsessions and ponderings where they're taking us. In the book, John tears down the myth that taste is the most primitive of the senses and shows that it really is the most complex and subtle. As you can imagine, we are beyond honored and thrilled to welcome this very, very accomplished Pulitzer Prize winning journalist to the program today. Hi, John. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Hi. Nice to be here. It is such a pleasure to have you, and this book that you have out is so great because it talks about something that we don't often think about, how complex taste really is. But the inspiration for the book actually came from your children, right? Uh, That's right. My kids, uh, since they were small, have been picky eaters, and my son uh, really liked uh, hot peppers and uh, spicy foods, so they were diverse picky eaters. They had different pickiness. My daughter liked uh, bland foods, kind of white foods like rice and pasta and 
chicken and you know mac and cheese. So uh, I wondered why why is that? Where do those differences uh, come from? Are they uh, genetic, or is there some other uh, thing driving it? That's really interesting. So we understand now that all these different tastes and flavors are coming um, from around the world. You know, we have the Mediterranean food, which many few people like, and I loved Mediterranean food. And some people like the American food best and Italian food. So what has the 21st century science revealed about flavor with all these different varieties? Um, well, there's just incredible diversity in cuisine that people eat around the world. And it's really fascinating because uh, people's tastes are vary quite a bit from person to person. One person likes one thing, another person likes different things. And so there's just this vast complexity to it. And yet you think, you know, we're animals like, like other animals. Animals have to survive you know, they don't really need a lot of diversity in the food that they eat. They just need to eat enough to keep going. So this uh, great diversity in cuisine and our tastes is par- part of uh, being human. It's something that's unique to being human. And uh, so I just found that really, really fascinating. Um, I think it is a, uh, a legacy of our emergence as humans, uh, you know, mm-hmm. many hundreds of thousands of years ago. And uh, people... Uh, spread throughout the world and colonized all these different habitats with different foods. And so that kind of pushed our tastes or ancestors' tastes in a lot of different directions. That's really true. I think it's interesting because with all the technology we have now, we're able to create different, uh, you know, cuisines. You know, sometimes things need a certain way to be processed. So it just depends on what we have. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, and today, of course, you know, we have all these uh, new technologies. We have a lot of scientific information that we didn't mm-hmm. have even, you know, a, a decade ago about how taste works. And so this is allowing uh, scientists and chefs and food companies uh, to create new uh flavors, new tastes, new smells, and and sensations. And so there's a whole new frontier out there uh, that we're just starting to explore. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think what's really interesting is that even though we have all this technology to understand more about taste, many people only know of four tastes, spicy, salty, bitter, and sweet. But there actually is one called umami. So Mm -hmm. what is that? And how does it figure into that taste spectrum? Uh, Yeah, it's interesting. Umami is the fifth taste, um, and it's a savory sensation. It's described as meaty or brothy. It's uh, in the flavor of cooked meat, in a lot of cheeses, in tomatoes, in a lot of uh, Asian dishes. uh, And uh, um, it was only discovered, the chemical basis for it was discovered only a century ago by a Japanese scientist. Uh, And he thought that there was some unique taste or some element to uh, his uh, kelp broth. And so he got this big block of kelp and he kind of chemically analyzed it and found that this, uh, there was a particular substance that caused a unique flavor and a taste. um, And uh, that was umami. Uh, He gave it the name umami, which means uh, delicious taste in Japanese. Mm. That's really, really cool. You know, I never really thought about that, you know, because we do have the bitter, we do have the sweet, we have all of that. But, you know, 
you can you never really knew about you know all the meat flavors all the asian food flavors and asian food is my favorite because you know it's just made so precisely with so many different flavors and that's why i like foreign food because there's so many things that you can experience at once you know not bagging on america or anything but with american food it's a, it's a little bit more plainer you know there aren't any spices or or um different kind of flavorings in it which is so interesting and you know, with vegetables, that's a big uh, thing in Asian foods. And in 1990, President George H.W. Bush banned broccoli from Air Force One, declaring, I'm president of the United States, and I'm not going to eat any more broccoli. And I was like, what? <laughs> I love broccoli. Like, how? why would he Me hate too. it? <laughs> um, you know, that's a famous story. And uh, um, basically, uh, that's a genetic uh, difference. Some people uh, are genetically programmed to hate broccoli. They dislike a particular bitter substance. And uh, some people uh, are less sensitive to it, and so they tend to like broccoli and, mm-hmm. and Brussels sprouts and, and other uh, bitter foods. Um, and uh, that's a really interesting kind of difference that you find because people will taste the same thing and they'll have a completely different reaction to it. Yeah. That is really cool. And you know, as you mentioned, some people dislike broccoli for its bitterness, but there are other people that enjoy foods, particularly because of their bitterness, like coffee and beer and all sorts of types of foods. So why are some people drawn to bad taste like that? Uh, yeah, that's a really uh, fascinating question. Um, uh, with the case of bitterness, I mean, a lot of bitter compounds, uh, bitter compounds usually come from plants, uh, they're good for you in small amounts. Um, you know, they have medicinal qualities. It's, it's, eating broccoli is, is good for you. Uh, so there's some advantage uh, from an you know, evolutionary standpoint to enjoying uh, bitter things. Um, also, going back to what we talked about before, people like a lot of contrast in their food. Um, and so uh, you know, bland foods uh, are boring. Um, and so bitterness provides this sort of counterpoint to the more pleasant flavors that are in, in a lot of foods. And so it, uh, there's something about that sense of contrast, uh, things playing off each other that uh, is an important part of all cuisine. Mm, yeah. Mm. Wow. Well, thank you very, very much, John, for this conversation. You are incredibly passionate about what you do and very talented and we thank you for sharing your gift with the world during the break everyone be sure to connect with john mcquade on facebook and twitter at john mcquade and check out his website johnmcquade.com the book is called tasty the art and science of what we eat and it is a fascinating read i'm henna hundle and i'm asia gonzalez remember to visit our events page on our site at btsya.org to keep the date for april 25th book blah bash also please visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com we'll be back in the next segment as we continue our conversation with john what about the world concerns you is it future success is it world issues are you just looking to change the world in general Tune in to What Up World. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, or what you look like. Everyone is entitled to the same chance for success. Follow your dreams. Move forward. Make a difference. 
Tune in to What Up World every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Real kids, real talk radio. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today's hot topic is the gift of appreciation. And I'm Asia Gonzalez, and we are back with the very inspiring John McQuaid. John is a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and and is the author of the book Tasty, the Art and Science of What We Eat, which is a biography of flavors, tracing them from their appearance in the dawn of human life to the origin of cooking to the baffling cuisines. Reporting from an extensive number of locations, John brings out his best journalist skills to show how flavor is embedded in our behavior and personalities. The inspiration for the book came from John's struggle to satisfy and understand his son and daughter's strange and contradictory food choices. The elder liked super hot peppers and limes, and the younger liked rice, pasta, and cheese. John has also written ex- extensively on other topics, including city-destroying super, ter- super termites, the slow collapse of fishing communities, hurricane-levy engineering, mountaintop removal coal mining, and the global flower business. He's been published far and wide, is educating the public, and is showing what good journalism is all about. We are so honored to be speaking with him. Hi again, John. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, my pleasure. Awesome. We're so glad to have you on here. It's been such a great conversation. And I love what we've been talking about how, you know, what we prefer in flavor is embedded in our genes. And, you know, we grow up, you know, our our tastes may differ as we get older, or they may stay the same. And, you know, with all these different foods we have, we have different nations we take uh, inspiration from, or we'll even go out for dinner to a Chinese restaurant, even though, you know, we live in America or and we'll go to get Mexican food at some restaurant. And we have all these different flavors. And I was wondering, you know, when did life on Earth start eating and what did those first meals taste like? Because they obviously didn't have what we have today. Right. I mean, uh, you know, at some point you had uh, just single celled organisms in mm-hmm. the uh, ocean and then uh, yeah. At a certain point, life began eating other life. So you had creatures that had uh, noses and mouths, and you know, mm-hmm. they were, you know, like the picture of this fish swallowing other, the smaller fish. Um, and at, at that point, uh, life needed to be able to both uh, detect a prey uh, nearby and also to taste it as it was, uh, you know, going down. Uh, and so uh, at that point. Uh, Creatures developed, you know, these uh, uh, abilities to sense certain chemical signatures in in the ocean, and uh, this was the, I guess, earliest antecedents to to the sense of taste. And you know, we have these uh, proteins on our tongues, receptor proteins that uh, do the job of taste. and these uh, have been around for millions and millions of years. They go back uh, probably to the very earliest uh, 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 multicellular life forms. So it's really interesting. 
Wow. Wow. John, I love how extensively you research all of these topics. I mean, I feel like we can ask you any question related to taste and you've got a very comprehensive answer for it. And I really appreciate that. And I know that because of your great efforts to educate the public about these matters, you were awarded a Pulitzer Prizes for your work uh, at the New Orleans Times. What was that experience like for you? Did you finally feel like all your journalistic work had been coming to fruition? Uh, well, of course, it's a big thrill to uh, to win a Pulitzer Prize, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, very memorable experience. Uh, um, we, uh, along with some colleagues, I've written a series about. Uh, uh, troubled oceans about uh, overfishing around the world, and uh, this one a Pulitzer for public service. And uh, mm. we all gathered in in the newsroom when the announcement was made, and uh, uh, kind of waited for it to you know come up on the, on the computer. And there's a particular hour in the afternoon of the announcement day when you know newsrooms everybody's gathering around their screens, kind of waiting to see you won. And, oh, yeah. You know, a huge cheer goes up and. Uh, uh, everybody was just thrilled. So, wow. so yeah, it's very gratifying. Okay. And, uh, That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, very amazing. And when I have to ask you, when you're trying to write articles about topics ranging from the global flower business to troubled oceans, as you mentioned, do you have a similar research pro process that you use for every project or does it just vary with the topic? Um. It varies a bit, but I mean, I generally try to read up on what has been written uh, in the media. Uh, I look for uh, expert uh, opinion. You know, if people have written books or or reports or whatever on on topics. I look at you know documents or scientific papers or whatever. You know, just to try to immerse myself as much as possible, because uh, each story has its own. Uh, language, its own sort of uh, culture to it that uh, I like to try to immerse myself in as much as possible. Um, you know, and then, of course, I start talking to people who are involved. And uh, if it involves you know, on-the-ground reporting, I figure out where to go and who to talk to and who is the best guide to you know, take you to one place or talk to an issue. So, uh, you know, and then, of course, you have to write the thing, which is a whole other process, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, uh, that's, that's how it goes. That's interesting. That's so cool, but I'm glad you were able to experience that kind of thing because I think with all the work that you do, you deserve to be recognized for it, and I'm, I, congratulate, I congratulate you on that. That's, that's really awesome. Um, Thank you. And what we were talking about, what I think it was in the previous segment, how, you know, um, we are mammals and we do eat to survive. And I was thinking, you know, we have all these different flavors. And then I was thinking about my dog as I looked at one of the questions. I was thinking of a question. I was like, he eats this dog food that just smells absolutely terrible. How can he stand to eat that stuff? But we have the food that we eat. So how I was wondering how our tastes differ from those of animals. Like how can they eat that stuff, but we eat what we eat? Yeah, um, I mean... Every animal is different. Uh, a dog is a carnivore, basically. So, mm -hmm. you know, he's descended from other carnivores that hunted and ate um, pretty much an all-meat diet. So yeah. he's going to be pretty much programmed to enjoy meat um, in yeah. <laughs> various forms and sometimes other things. Humans are descended from uh, 
you know, hunter-gatherers are our immediate ancestors who had a you know, diverse diet. Some mm-hmm. ate meat, some ate uh, you know, combinations of meat and fruit and, and uh, uh, grasses and, and other things. And even yeah. further back, you know, these little the first mammals were these scavenging uh, creatures that would eat anything. And so that's really our, our background. Um, and so that's part of what you see in the diversity of cuisine today. You know, we like a lot of different things. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know, we like different types of food and different uh, flavors in, in foods. Uh, so that, that's one difference. Uh, another difference is that, you know, we, we, since we're human and we have big brains and we have culture, you know, that adds a lot more different dimensions into the experience of flavor. Uh, you know, a dog doesn't know, you know, what a brand is, for example. He doesn't know yeah. the difference between, you know, one type of, well, he would detect, I guess, the difference between one type of dog food and another, but he's not going to say, oh, well, Alpo is my brand. Um, all that information, you know, about, you know, what type, you know, where your, you know, potato chips come from or, or whatever, that's also part of flavor. You know, your brain mm-hmm. is kind of taking all that information and it molds the sensation uh, as you're experiencing it. So it's not just about like the chemicals that are in a food. It's about kind of where it comes from and what we know about it that also yeah. uh, play a role. Yeah. Although I don't think taste really matters to a, to a dog, your pet. I think they'll eat just about anything you hand them. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. They're not, <laughs> That's so funny. And John, you mentioned that dogs are kind of programmed to enjoy meat. But I think in our day and age, humans are kind of programmed to enjoy sugar. <laughs> yeah. What is that? Uh, yeah, well, um, basically sugar, sugars are an important part of the food chain. Um, and so lots and lots of different creatures like sugar because they contain a really ready source of energy. Um, right. And so they're, that's a valuable thing in nature. Um, however, uh, we have created this... Uh, uh, giant sugar manufacturing machine that is pumping more and more into our food uh, every day. And so yeah. people are eating a lot more sugar today than uh, they used to, you know, uh, yeah. 50 years ago or 200 years ago or further back. Um, and our brains, you know, we are programmed to pleasure and, um, you know, that everybody uh, likes. I mean, everybody knows what you know, something good, a piece of candy or, or uh, what have you, what that does to you when you're <laughs> popping it into your mouth. Yeah. Um, uh, the problem is if you keep uh, popping uh, sugar into your mouth, um, you know, your whole body kind of gets used to having it um, yeah. and you want more. And uh, if you have too much sugar, there are various health effects. You know, sugar's been tied to uh, rising rates of diabetes, of obesity, and various other problems. And, um, you know, there's no break on it. You know, people have to learn how to moderate, but there's just so much sugar in our food that that's very difficult. So much sugar. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you very, very much, John, for this great conversation. Thank you very much again for for enlightening us today on this topic and for being with us on the program. So keep up the great work and we will keep rooting for you. Thank you. Thank you. And during the break, everyone, be sure to connect with John on Twitter at John McQuaid and check out his website, johnmcquaid.com. 
The book is called Tasty, The Art and Science of What We Eat. Don't forget to grab a copy. I'm Hannah Hundle. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Please visit our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for the Vita Staria War 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. Stay right here with us for our next segment as we continue our conversation. Tune in to Dinosaur Detectives with Little Miss Dinosaur, Anna Dubois. We'll not only learn about dinosaurs, but also about fossils, ancient civilizations, and ask questions from paleontologists. You'll learn about science in general with an emphasis on paleontology and dinosaurs. Anna hopes that this show will start or increase your awareness and interest in the field of science. Dinosaur Detectives can be heard every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids channel. What's cooking? Join Kid Chef Eliana for Cool Kids Cook. Eliana is one of the youngest published cookbook authors and will show you that there are all kinds of goodness in food beyond the chicken nuggets and fries. On our show, we'll discover cuisine from around the world, learn some great cooking techniques, speak with some of the world's top chefs, and share recipes. Kid Chef Eliana is here for you on Cool Kids Cook every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Bon appetit! Keep it right here. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Hannah Hundle, and our program is Express Yourself. Today, the theme for our show is the gift of appreciation. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. This has been a great segment today. I absolutely love this topic. I think it should be talked about more often. And I was just thinking about, you know, there are so many different ways that we can show appreciation, and I feel like we need to do it more. And when somebody does something nice for you or just does something random out of the kindness of their heart, you know, some people don't want to be recognized for it, but I think if you really wanted to, you know, you can thank them personally, you know, saying, hey, thank you for that, uh, whatever they did for you, or, you know, do another act of kindness for them secretly or just out of the blue so it's not like you deliberately want to pay them back if they don't want to be recognized for it. Or you can even give them a gift or, you know, write a secret thank you note saying how much you appreciate what they did for you or just something special like that, you know. It doesn't have to be something big. It could be something small. Yeah, Um, by the way, what happened to the idea of writing thank you notes? Oh, I know. I absolutely love writing letters, so I wish that was still a thing. (laughs) Right? Uh, You know, I, I remember when I was in, you know, first, second, maybe third grade, and I would hold birthday parties every year where I would I would invite the entire class to come, boys and girls, and we'd all go swimming or go to the park and something fun like that. And I remember that after I would open the presents and we'd all eat cake and everything and everyone would, would go home, we'd say our mm-hmm. goodbyes. That very night, my mom would make me sit down and write a thank you note to every single person for attending my party. That's so cute. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's really stayed with me now to the point where – I want to write a thank you note for even the smallest thing that someone might do for me. And 
I think it's so precious to be able to open up a letter, especially a handwritten one. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, that, I love that feeling. Oh, yeah. And in this day and age, we have e-cards, we have the phone, you can send them a buzzer that way. But I really think that opening up a thank you letter, something that you can keep with you, treasure, it mm-hmm. has such a different appeal to it. And I really wish more people would get along with that type of ideology. I think so, too. Like with the letter, you know, the appreciation letter, if you do that through text, you can't doodle on it. You can't put your personal handwriting on it. You can't make little side notes on the side. You can't make it something personal. But when you write a letter with your hand, with a pen in your hand, ready to pour out your heart to somebody on how much you appreciate what you just what they just did for you, you can make it personal to that um, to that receiver and, you know, use your handwriting, use you know, a special handwriting that you love to use that's really fancy or, you know, your own handwriting and you could put side notes and you can, you know, write their name a special way. It's just that's what I love about letters is that you can personalize something. Whereas in text message or email, it's just typed words that all look the same and it's all a certain format and it's not something original. Auto-corrected. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about what 20, 30, 40 years from now, what keepsakes, what mementos you're going to want to have from your friends and your family. Mm-hmm. I don't really know of many people who would want to keep a bunch of printed out papers of text messages that they no. forth. I mean, that's really not something you're going to want to put in that lovely treasure box. You're going to want yeah, to exactly. opened up, you know, broke the seal of that envelope. And that's really something that you're going to want to keep with you. And so I personally am more than willing to continue on the tradition of writing thank you notes. And I hope other people join me. Oh, I know. Me too. You know, I was thinking, you know, it's so, it feels good to write a letter to somebody and it feels good to have received a letter from someone. And it's such a good, it's, it's so fulfilling when you show appreciation to somebody because, you know, some people don't want to be recognized for what they did, but some people do want to be recognized for what they did, you know, just to see if they if they got it or not, you know, and I think that if you showed appreciation, it not only makes the person feel good, but I think it just genuinely lifts up their spirit. You know, they think, wow, they enjoyed what they, what I did for them. They liked it. You know, maybe I could do it again just to make them feel good. And it just puts you in a good mood basically during that entire day that you made that somebody made you feel good, but you showed them the appreciation of that, of that act. Right. And you bring up this idea of appreciating people for what they did for us. I think another way that we should appreciate people is just for being, being there, not being who they are, you know, being there for you. Right. Being alive, you know, telling that girl who you sit next to every day in fourth period, just thank you for, for just being there for me and, and being the Mm -hmm. presence that I can always count on. You know, we don't, we don't really know what we have until it's gone until it's absent. Exactly. Miss it. And so just letting people know that thank you for just existing in my life and sticking with me with mm-hmm. me thick and thin. I really do appreciate it. Which is what, you know, that makes me feel, uh, think about all the people that I've known um, in the past in all these different areas that I've lived in with what you said, you know, thank you for being in my life. With all the friendships that I've had, you know, I made an effort to tell them how much they meant to me because you know, you never, I never knew what was going to happen. I didn't know if I'd have to move again. I didn't know if they were going to have to move, but you know, I always told them how much I appreciated them and how much I loved that we had this friendship to where we were so close to each other. 
that I don't know what I'd do without them. You know, I told them how much they meant to me, how important they are, and I think that just makes them feel wonderful because, you know, who wouldn't want to hear that from somebody, that you're important, that they appreciate you, that they love your company, you know? Right, right. Just, and yeah. I think everyone will enter and exit your time at your life at the right time to give you uh-huh. the tools that you needed, the lessons that you needed from that person. Exactly. You know, I, I had that kind of experience where I had a friend that I knew since elementary school, but I knew her and I moved away to California, but then I came back and we still knew each other because we ended up going to the same high school again. So mm-hmm. we got in, back in contact. We became really good friends. It was, you know, me and two other girls that we were all really good friends. And, you know, then one day it just faded out because that something just came between us uh, that just made our personalities split. And, you know, it was sad to lose somebody, but, you know, it was also, it taught me an important lesson about who you are and who you should be and, you know, who to keep in your life. And it's just, that's something to be thankful for, although losing a friendship is not. Well, as Dr. Seuss would put it, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, you know, at first I was like, man, this, this is a real bummer. You know, I, I just lost somebody in a friendship, but, but then I realized, you know, this losing a friendship is a good lesson to learn for future reference. Right, right. As we were talking about in the very beginning of the show, both the good and the bad are working together in your life. Exactly. So you have to appreciate both. And it's sort of like, thank you for leading me. Thank you for not being there in my toughest time. Thank you for Mm -hmm. letting me down because that really taught me something and that really helped me grow stronger. Exactly. It gives you a different perspective on life, on who needs to be there and who doesn't need to be there or who you need to be there for, who you shouldn't be there for. It's just, it goes both ways on where you should be and where you shouldn't be. And it gives you a perspective on what you should do in those kind of situations. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, I remember earlier you were mentioning this idea that who wouldn't want to be told that they're appreciated. Exactly. um, I think we have to also remember that sometimes outer appearances can be very deceiving. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people might look uncomfortable with receiving a compliment. But I really promise you that in their heart of hearts, whenever you let someone know how much they mean to you and how much of an impact they have in your life, maybe outwardly you might not get the reaction or elicit that response that you were hoping for, that, that moment of sparks which run towards each other for a huge embrace. But really in their heart of hearts, they're going to feel it. And so, yeah. so sometimes you have to let people know that you appreciate them, not even only for that person, but just for yourself to know mm-hmm. that you're really reaching out and giving your best effort to make contact with all the people in yeah. your life and to let them know that they are valued. I think that's something that's a little rarer in this society, you know, and it's sad to think about that. And, you know, knowing that we're not making an effort to really you know, open up to somebody or, you know, really encourage someone how much you appreciate them and how much you're just thankful for them in general. And I think that needs to happen a whole lot more often. You know, we need to really reach out to everybody we know, everybody we love and appreciate and tell them how much we love them in our lives. And I just think that needs to happen more often. Well, thank you so much for Henna for this conversation. It's truly marvelous to be putting a magnifying glass to our lives and examine all the things we have to be grateful for. Appreciative attitudes help us be our best selves. As always, all good things must come to an end. And this show gave us an in-depth look at how to live from the inside out with an unwavering sense of gratitude that wells up from within. 
Make sure to visit btsya.org and go to events to mark your calendars for the April 25th Book Blowout Bash. Make sure to visit btsya um, for all the events that are going on and the adventures of Blue Ocean Bob with a complimentary book at, with a 1999 purchase. Compliments of our sponsors, Brooks Olbrey's and Children's Success Unlimited. It's going to be a blast. See you there. Thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and Perry Damone's Kid Star for producing this show, where we empower kids. Thanks to our Voice America Kids crew, especially Bruce Solstein. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Hannah Hundle, and you have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, go to btsya.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be appreciative, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself go. My name is Lindsay Marie from Bookworm. Now from the now from the Kickstar of the Month, here is the Wisp Pops and their song Sea Turtle.
Pops from the Kidstar album of the month. 